Shopping these days can be underwhelming, but at QVC, we believe those who love to shop deserve a living, breathing way to shop, where product descriptions are alive with demos by creators, chats with inventors, and hosts who know the most. From self-care and kitchenware to fashion trends and forever faves, at QVC, we bring life to products and products to life. Shop qvc.com podcast and use code QVC15podcast for $15 off $30 for new customers. This is shopping brought to life. That's the sound of me prepping the grill with Reynolds Wrap. And the sound of me not doing dishes. And the sound of me spending more time outside with my family. Easy prep, cook, and clean. Make time with Reynolds Wrap. I like the sound of that. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of the New Evangelicals Podcast. So good to be with you all. Yeah, I'm back from vacation. It was somewhat relaxing. When you have two kids under two, um, you're really parenting in a different city, but my wife and I did get some time, and I am back in the saddle, ready to talk about things that we talk about. So on this episode, I brought on Noah and Riley, our podcast producer and one of our researchers, to respond to a few tweets that I saw on Twitter. So this episode is about that. And of course, that leads us into all kinds of conversations. I just want to give a trigger warning. Some of these tweets are incredibly dehumanizing and transphobic. So just be aware of that going forward. That being said, big news. Our event for our live podcast with April Joy and Mike from Mad Priest Coffee is live. Tickets are now available. We're going to be recording in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Hopefully with you. You can get tickets at the link in our bio. They are on sale December 16th. It's going to be a great night. We're going to record the whole thing, have you there. We're going to hang out, drink coffee, talk about church, and have a great time. So make sure you get your tickets. I honestly love meeting people from this community, and that was one of the reasons why we decided to do a live in-person podcast recording. So make sure you get your tickets at the link in our show notes and pick them up, and I will see you there. And of course, friends, I want to say a sincere Thank you to everyone who listens to the show. It means the world that I get to do this. Um, if you want to support the work that we do, you can check out the link in our bio. We are a nonprofit organization that is totally funded by the community. And also, side note, we are working on tweaking our ads. So if you hear a wacky ad that, that does not fit um, like the work that we do, let me know via DM or email so we can adjust. We're trying something out. I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm going to keep these like programmed ads long-term but I'm testing them to see how they sound, to see how they work, and to get community feedback. So make sure you give me feedback if you have some for me. All right, friends, without further ado, here is my episode with Riley and Noah. Hope you enjoy it. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a hard time picking up and reading a Bible because your faith tradition ruined it for you, but you want to approach the Bible in a fresh way? Bibliotheca is a Bible that invites you to engage with the text in a totally different way, the way its ancient readers would have experienced it. Unlike a typical reference Bible that looks and feels like a dictionary, these books look and feel like inviting literature. You get five cloth-bound volumes, no chapters or verse numbers, no cross-references, no notes. Bibliotheca is currently taking pre-orders for another print run, and if you order now, you'll get special early bird pricing, and guess what? Big news. Your purchase will support TNE, that's us, as well. Use the code TNE22 when you check out, and $20 of every pre-ordered set will go toward the work that we do here at TNE. That is a win-win. Again, visit bibliotheca.co or check the link in our show notes, and be sure to use the code TNE22 when you check out. Thanks. 
right. Um, welcome, everyone. Hello to uh, an episode of the New Evangelicals podcast. Great to be with you. I am back from re- vacation. I am kind of rested. I was telling Riley before we started recording, when you have two kids under two, someone put it really well in our um, Instagram DMs. They said, you're just parenting in a, in a different city. That is true. But we did have a good time. So I am back. I am somewhat rested. And I'm pulling I'm pulling Riley and Noah onto this episode because I, I got to say, I'm very proud of myself, Noah and Riley, for, for really being off my phone a lot of the time, okay? Now, I, I did peruse Twitter sometimes, and I would see a lot of things. I said, you know what? Tim, don't respond. Just screenshot, and next week, you, Noah, and Riley can do an episode going through some of the craziest tweets that you saw that you couldn't respond to because you were on vacation but must be talked about. So I'm pulling the the holy trinity of, of, of our team together to talk about this because I got to be honest, like I really feel like last week um, either – Christian nationalist Twitter got crazier, or I was—I'm just so—I was so not used to being around it all the time that seeing it out, out of my normal bubble was just that more shocking. Hard to know which one. So I figured what, what we'll do, Riley and Noah, is I have a couple of tweets lined up. I'm sharing my screen so you can see them. I'll read them to the audience, and then I just want your initial reactions on some of these. And these will span all different topics. I want to just give a trigger warning right now. Some of these tweets are very dehumanizing. Some um, might, um, some are transphobic. Some are are just terrible in nature. So I want to give that straight up, okay? That 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 this is very intense dehumanizing material. But I just believe that we have to acknowledge it, and that especially as new evangelicals, we have to talk about it. So of course, we don't believe in dehumanizing. Um, people that we don't like, and so we're going to do our best not to do that. However, we are going to call this nonsense out, and we are going to respond. So that's kind of my opening spiel to all this. Um, Noah and Riley, any any questions before we get rolling? Well, I, I just want to say that I think the reason Twitter got so crazy is because the Christian nationalists felt safe knowing you weren't going to be able to respond to them this past week. <laughs> well, it's that or it's Elon Musk bought Twitter. It's one of the Might two. Might be that. Uh, it's probably <laughs> some combination, but no, I'm, yeah. I'm ready to go. <laughs> All right, so without further ado, here is the first tweet that I saw and said, yeah, I am screenshotting that and saving this because we have to talk about it. So without further ado, boom, this is by William Wolf, who I've actually talked to on YouTube. He says this in a tweet, quote, here's one of the biggest problems with conservatives in America. They would rather lose nobly, even to wicked and evil enemies, than win in an ugly manner. They want to feel good about themselves, though they let their country be overrun by tyrants, then do what it takes to win. Soak it in. Process it. Either one. Raise your hand and just go for it. I've never known conservatives to rather lose nobly. That's just my first thought. <laughs> I'm not sure what conservatives he's talking about. I have not met them. Mm, interesting. Noah? It, it, ditto. Yeah, that was my first thought. My first thought was, did you just miss January 6th entirely? Like, <laughs> exactly. We're just going to put Donald a breeze Trump? past us like it didn't happen. Uh, but also, and again, like this, the awful thing about Twitter and when you write three sentences is you don't get a lot of context and you're forced to read into it. But when I read into this, it sounds like it's just inciting violence uh, and saying that that's the conservative thing to do. So yeah. lots of lots of 
potential problems there? Okay, let me reread the tweet for the audience because a lot of them are listening to this and not seeing it. Here's what it says. Quote, this is from William Wolf. He's a known Christian nationalist. He's also, I think, an intern or he's working closely with Al, Al Mohler, president of, the, of uh, one of the SBC colleges. He says, quote, here's one of the biggest problems with conservatives in America. They would rather lose nobly, even to wicked and evil enemies, than win in an ugly manner. They want to feel good about themselves, though they let their country be overrun by tyrants, then do what it takes to win. So here's my thing with this. First off, William Wolf, I've talked to him. You can see my conversation with him on YouTube with the Honest Youth Pastor. This guy, for me, he is shockingly un- Christian in my views, but he sees himself as a legitimate Christian. And and he is in the sense of, you know, the threat of Christians historically have have tried to take over and run umpires. But one thing that that, that cracks me up is that he talks about how, how conservatives would rather lose nobly, even to wicked and evil enemies, than win in an ugly manner. Didn't Jesus literally lose nobly to wicked and evil enemies like isn't the whole point of the cross isn't the whole point of following jesus by putting down the sword following and picking up your cross daily even unto death and now we have william saying no 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 that's not how this works we will win even if it's an ugly win meaning even if you, I, I think you're right by the way by, by, by the way that william tweets which by the way right now as of this recording his tweets are currently quote-unquote protected so he locked them down but he has absolutely advocated for things that would take violence to either employ um, or to just this idea of we have to conquer our enemies at all costs. And it was just a shocking tweet. I mean, even for William Wolf for me, this was a shocker of a tweet. Yeah, I'm I'm just I'm really processing this whole like blissful ignorance to January 6th. When they um, did not lose nobly, they they really really went out with a bang there. Um, so I'm 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 just yeah. really confused. Yeah, I, I think a lot of this relies on that consistent idea in these spaces of, in particular, January sixth was not nearly as bad as people are saying it was. It wasn't a real insurrection. There are just a few bad actors and that the left is really taking over America and they have to fight back and, and recapture it for mm. God and for country. Uh, that, you know, even the language of, 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 of uh, you know, that, that, that the country's overrun by tyrants and therefore we have to fight back. It, it really stems more from, I think, revolutionary language, right? Um, oh, yeah. More than it does from like the way of Jesus, which again, murdered by the empire, literally crucified by the empire. And his prayer was to forgive his enemies for that mm. they know not what they do. And William's approach is no, no, no. Conquer, destroy, and defeat your enemies, even if you have to do it in a really ugly, terrible way. Yeah, absolutely. It's reminding me of the kind of militaristic language often used by people like Mark Driscoll and just the kind of obsession yeah. with military warfare language in like Christianity. And I I think that the most dangerous thing about this, and I know everybody's already kind of said it, but it's the vagueness for me that's the biggest problem is because anybody could take this tweet and feel justified to do a whole lot of terrible things that maybe even I, I've honestly, I don't know who William Wolf is, so I don't really know what his values would be in this situation, but I could just see something like this being used in a very terrible manner to cause real harm to people. And I feel like something like that is just an incredibly dangerous statement to make with no kind of clarity about what you're actually getting at. 
Oh yeah, I mean William has advocated for he he's he said things like um blasph- uh, blasphemy laws are not a bad idea. Um what? he said things, yeah, I mean there's there's a tweet where someone said that another person called him out and then hmm. William says, "I don't get it. What I don't get what's so unchristian about this." Essentially is what he says. Um William has also advocated for, you know, punishing women who have abortions. I mean, he's very much in that realm of things. Um and you know, he 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 just lives in that far right Christian nationalists, we're going to embrace the term. We're going to destroy our enemies. God calls us to rebuild the nation. That's his ideology. So, so this in that context, this tweet for me, I was like, wow, like there it is. Your 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 allegiance is really to winning and to conquering than it is to the way of Jesus. I mean, I don't know how you read the Gospels. I don't know how you read the Sermon on the Mount. I don't know how you read the the crucifixion and come away with this kind of perspective as the Christian perspective. I I truly don't. Like that that's an honest you know, no bullshit that I don't understand how you say that you believe that the Bible is true, you claim to be biblical, and then you say, oh yeah, this is a biblical take. I, I just, you must be reading maybe somewhere in the Old Testament, Revelation, but you're certainly not reading in the Gospels, that's for sure. There's well, no, and I, sorry, go ahead, Noah. No, I, was, I was just going to add to that. There's there's no like, blessed are the meek in mm. this tweet whatsoever. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> and I just, lest anyone in the audience think that this is some like, fringe kind of guy off his rocker. Um, I just, I looked up his Twitter and I just Googled him. Um, He was the former deputy assistant secretary at the department of defense for Trump. So he served in a high cabinet level position under the Trump administration. So this kind of, you know, this person with blasphemy laws, you know, who thinks that we should have blasphemy laws in the United States has also served in a high cabinet level position under the president. This is not just like, fringe behavior that's not going to affect people. (laughs) That's right. That's right. All right. So that's one tweet down. I want to keep moving because we have more to get to. So that's William Wolf. That one definitely shocked me. I think the next one for me took the cake for all of them, which you, you, you normally shouldn't do, right? You say the best for last people listen through the whole show. These are all wild, but this one, I, if it's the one I think of, uh, if it's the one I think that I have next is, is, is wow. Oh yeah. All right. This is Joel Berry. Joel Berry is the manager for the Babylon Bee, and he um, – this was this, – <laughs> when I saw this, I almost spit out my drink. His tweet says, quote, slavery was defeated by Christian nationalists. <laughs> I'm dumbfounded. <laughs> quote, slavery was defeated by Christian nationalists. I, I was literally on vacation with a drink in my hand and literally went, holy shit. You are you are kidding me. But this is this is not satire. Joel is not trying out new headlines for the Babylon Bee. He really believes that Christian nationalists did not uphold slavery, but that they defeated slavery. I mean, Riley, I feel like this is kind of your expertise from what you studied. Do you want to take the first swing? Yeah, I mean, I'm just absolutely shocked and this is so incredibly insensitive and racist. I, I can't even begin to describe it. Um, not only is it just insensitive and racist, but it's historically just bullshit and not even remotely. <laughs> n- no part of this sentence could be remotely um, proven, historically speaking. Christians, by and large, 
were a humongous part of the American chattel slave trade. They, they like funded it. They kept it going. Southern evangelicals were willing to literally live and die on the battlefield to protect slavery. They thought it was, they, they made something called the slave Bible. They literally rewrote the Bible, named it the slave Bible. They went to desperate lengths. Christians went to desperate lengths to protect and defend the institution of slavery. So every single part of this sentence is just horrific in every way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Noah? So you, you, you sent me this tweet like a, a, a week ago. This was the only one I've seen. And I've spent a week thinking about what do I want to say to this tweet? And I, I sat for an hour last night and I scrolled oh, through the, the, I don't use Twitter, so I'm going to use probably the wrong terms here. I scrolled through all the comments and the retweets and all of that underneath this to listen to him try to justify it. Because he does. He goes, he makes all these historical arguments and it's just a total shit show. It, it I, I don't even know where he's getting this idea from at all. Um, it, it, I mean, one thing I would say is that this is incredibly America-centric because I think all that he's describing here is American chattel slavery uh, in which slavery around the world was already being eradicated by the time that we got around to it. Uh, so I think that that's already kind of a deceptive thing to say. And again, Riley probably is the historian here could express that a lot better than I could. But I, yeah. I, there's, there's too many. I don't even know where to start unpacking that. <laughs> yeah, you know what's interesting to me is first off, if you're not on Twitter, audience, don't go on Twitter. Okay, you'll just honestly, it's so infuriating to be on here. But I, I'm on here for 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 this work, and I track a lot of these accounts. That I mean, this is Joel who manages the Babylon Bee, the largest quote-unquote Christian satire publication has immense reach, and his tweets are are truly um, really out there. Um, and when I saw this one in particular, I'm just thinking, like, where are you getting this from? And I, I think... This this is one of those things where we talk about like the the mythologizing of American history, right? And this idea that many conservative evangelicals can't recognize that that at, at times in their own history they were on the wrong sides of issues, so they have to rethink and use language that makes them always seem like they, they like, like their tradition was always in the right, and they were always fighting on the right side of justice. And this quote. Or this tweet, slavery was defeated by Christian nationalists, I think is a way of doing that, right? It's a way of saying, oh, no, 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 no. Guys, as Christian nationalists were the ones, um, they were the true abolitionists. Even though, like you said it, Riley, it doesn't take a very deep reading of American history to realize that the majority of Christians in America were either funding, supporting, or fighting over the slave trade. And while certainly there were Christians who were dissenting, um, they were, especially in the beginning, seen as unbiblical, as, 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 as not true Christians, as people who were trying to fight uh, what God decreed, you know, that, 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 that black people were inferior to white people. You can read these quotes. They're all there. So, no, Christian nationalists, assuming that term is, is how we're using it now anyway, um, meaning, you know, like this idea of we have to fight for God and country, which I think is still is a thing, um, did not defeat slavery. I would argue they were the ones, per, you know, pushing and promoting and saying God has ordained and decreed slavery to be this way for the sake of the created order. Yeah, absolutely. I also think of Frederick Douglass's quote, who was, Frederick Douglass was um, 
an abolitionist. And he basically said that the auctioneer's bell and the church going bell chime together in unison. And what is it? The um, heartbroken cries of the slave out are drowned in the religious prayers of his pious master. That's how he described the intersection between Christianity and slavery at the time. It was that Christianity was, was powering it in America. The other thing, when I was kind of scrolling through the tweets, like his responses, it kind of seemed like he was trying to make the point that it was the, the good Christian nationalists uh, in the North that were fighting against maybe the bad Christian nationalists in the South or something. So it was like the good version of Christian nationalism versus the bad version or something. And even if you could make the argument that the North was somehow, quote, Christian nationalist, which I don't find compelling at all, that this isn't a win for the concept of Christian nationalism whatsoever. This, like, this isn't a, an argument in favor of that idea because you yeah. still have you have people killing each other over what they believe the Bible says and using the Bible to justify doing it. But I think it still fundamentally represents the same problem that we have with using this language to justify violence regardless of who who which side was which you know in this kind these weird lines that he's trying to draw yeah a hundred percent and again i I, it really comes down to for me folks like joel and, and people in these circles that i follow on twitter um they they have no ability to um to self-reflect on their own tradition and to admit that 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 there have been problems and that maybe those problems still exist today. It's always this sense of, no, we're always on the right side, and everyone else, mainly liberals and progressives and Democrats, are on the wrong side. So they'll say and tweet things like this that just are like, what are you talking about? Because I think it's almost, in a weird way, a subconscious way of self-soothing themselves and feeling like, no, I, I know that I'm right, and so here's the proof. You know, Christian nationalists were the ones who defeated slavery, even though there's no evidence or reality uh, in our history. In fact, only the opposite is true. Some of the most devout Christian fundamentalists were some of the most cruelest and most adamant slave owners. Um, and also, of course, like you said, promoters of, of, of the race-based child slave industry in America. So, um, yeah. Again, another one that I saw and said, holy moly, screenshot. All right. Let's keep moving on. Okay, so this this one, this happened oh, a little no. more recently. So we all know that Elon Musk bought Twitter. Uh, and that that honestly is a is a whole podcast episode in itself. Um, but we also know that that Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul Pelosi, was attacked by someone looking for Nancy. He wanted to tie her up uh, and 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 demand that she tell the truth uh, because he saw her as as quote the leader of the pack of lies of the Democrat Party. Um, and so he ended up breaking in. Nancy wasn't there. He attacked Paul with a hammer, and and conservative Twitter like ran. Into, into deep conspiracy-level theory stuff right away. So Elon Musk, now the owner of Twitter, tweeted, there is a tiny possibility there might be more to this story than meets the eye. And then he linked a, a, a conspiratorial news source. Again, this is the owner of Twitter. The owner of Twitter. Um, and so he tweeted this, so I figured, oh, why not? I, I, you know, I might as well add this into the mix to get some initial Elon Musk thoughts on this. <laughs> Noah, do you want to go ahead and Ugh. go first? I'm still collecting my uh, thoughts here. I know very, very little about this news story, honestly. So I, I'm not going to be a very good source to comment on this. I, I think my first thought is just that it doesn't bode well for the future of uh, 
Twitter if if Elon's first decisions is to post conspiracy theory websites as a sort of of a legitimate argument. Well, what's so interesting some... what's interesting here is is first off, some of the conspiracies were that uh the man who broke in was Paul's gay lover, not true, but again, that spread around. People like to, and again, I, I want to be clear, friends. I'm not talking about some rando behind an anonymous Twitter account tweeted something. I'm talking like Dinesh D'Souza, who has millions of followers. Donald Trump Jr. has many followers. I mean, Elon Musk. They're tweeting things that are so conspiratorial that have already been debunked. Like the FBI has already said, nope, not true. Uh, and, and I think with Elon buying Twitter and seeing just the response by conservatives and also kind of the exodus of a lot of more moderate and progressive folks, I just am kind of... I mean, I'm kind of concerned to see where Twitter goes because Elon buying it and then and then almost immediately tweeting something out that he had to delete a few hours later because it was blatantly not true. It, it truly concerns me. It's incredibly concerning. I think even less, um, well, not less, but e- of equal concern is the fact that like high level members of Congress have been kind of touting this conspiracy theory um as well as i saw ben shapiro this morning going off on a tangent about it that to me is deeply concerning i mean elon has always been just kind of saying crazy things so i'm not like i I think it's awful let me make it incredibly clear and he has way too big of a platform to be saying such harmful um yeah stories and such but it's not a huge surprise to me. I think Ben Shapiro and members of Congress speaking of the Speaker of the House's husband in this way is really, really problematic, especially when you call into when you um, really think about what what a serious situation this is. The idea that I mean, when we are resorting to you know attempted murder on members of you know a political party that we don't like we we don't really have much of a democracy left if that becomes the norm and so that just the story itself is absolutely atrocious especially in light of where we want to go politically and what kind of freedoms we want to maintain and so for this to be downplayed by members of congress and by people with large platforms like ben shapiro i think is so concerning that they're not taking it seriously i have to agree with you i mean listen there's a whole we, we should do a whole deeper dive you know piece on this whether it's instagram or another podcast but there's a lot more to get into on the on this story in particular but just one thing a couple things to note um i agree riley um you know watching people like matt walsh try and spin this immediately this guy was a leftist he was a nudist all this stuff the reality is that his most recent blog posts were far down the conspiratorial rabbit hole uh including 2020 election denying um and he yelled where's nancy which which is what people on january 6th were yelling when they were the Capitol building. Now, certainly people can be complex and certainly people can advocate and say things throughout their, their, their life that could be on one side or another side of the aisle. But when your most recent blog posts are, are conspiratorial about things like the election and other things, and you also, in a sworn affidavit, said that you believe that Nancy was the leader of the pack of democratic lies and that you were going to tie her down and threaten to break her kneecaps if she didn't tell the truth, you have to ask yourself, At some point, rhetoric has a cost. And Nancy Pelosi in particular has been 
um, like the lightning pole of of right wing rhetoric uh, of dehumanization and of you know just being plain old mean. Now I'm not saying you you have to like a political candidate. Certainly I'm not even a big fan of Nancy Pelosi with some of the things that she's engaged with. No doubt about that. But the level of dehumanization is something that is is next level. And you know one of my thoughts on this are is when you are told and you believe that your political opponents are demonic, that they're ruled by Satan, that is what gives you the perspective of dehumanizing them, right? And gives you this idea of superiority that then allows you to either mock or participate in violence. I mean that's 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 how it works, right? It starts in in the, in the mental of the dehumanization of the other and how they're less than human than you are and they really deserve what they got coming. And you're right, seeing people either do like a whataboutism. Well, how about when 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 the, the Kavanaugh guy uh happened? Where where was the media? Which by the way, the media was everywhere, and that person churned himself in, which is good, and is currently arrested and being prosecuted for it. Um, or someone else brought up the Bernie uh when there was a GOP shooting at a baseball field by a Bernie Sanders supporter. And once again, if you look it up, Bernie Sanders was super clear that he denounces and feels horrible and completely thinks it's terrible uh, um, um, you know, regarding what happened to that to the GOP baseball game. So it's a very different animal here watching conservatives treat this like a joke, spread lies about it, um, or in, in some cases, make fun. I mean, there have been people who have been making fun of this, which actually, if you don't mind, brings me to my second tweet. So we're going to continue this conversation. The second, or I, the second tweet on, on this topic of Nancy Pelosi. So this, oh, come on. There we go. This is a tweet from Rod Martin. And the tweet says, get it now, the Paul Pelosi Halloween costume. It's a picture of Hanes whitey tighties underwear and a hammer. Now, Rod Martin was on the SBC leadership team until October 2021, and he's currently a leader on the conservative Baptist network. He tweeted this out. He tweeted this out. Now, this is a thing. This picture's been circulating in conservative Twitter. It's a big joke to make fun about, about Paul Pelosi because what happened was he had a hammer to the head. He had to go into surgery for having his skull fractured. Now, Paul Pelosi, historically, I think a couple months ago, was arrested for a DUI. So conservatives have been making fun about Paul getting hammered twice. I'm not kidding you. That that's been an an actual joke that conservatives, including Christians, have made. And now we have Rod D. Martin tweeting, "Get it now!" The Paul Pelosi Halloween costume with a picture of Whitey Tidies and a hammer. That's so awful. I I have no words. I mean, Donald Trump Jr. reposted that as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. He um, did. I I have just absolutely no words. But if you don't mind, I kind of want to go back to the maybe a little bit of the previous tweet, just because I have a few follow-up questions. I guess they kind of go together a little bit, but just, I think it's worth noting how, how common it is for conservative evangelicals to believe in conspiracy theories. And I just, I just want to throw that out there for the audience to kind of ponder. There is not nearly the level of like conspiratorial thinking on the left. There just isn't. And And I'm not trying to necessarily say why that's the case. There's a lot of information out there about, you know, simplistic fundamental thinking and the ways that it can translate into um, an ease in believing in conspiracy theories. But I just think it's interesting. You know, we have so many conspiracy, major conspiracy theories by the GOP, whether it's election denial, whether it's 
COVID was, you know, Bill Gates, whether it's now this, you know, and, and I just think it's worth pointing out that there is not nearly the same level on the political or kind of religious progressive left of conspiratorial thinking as there is on the right. I just think it's worth noting. Shopping these days can be underwhelming, but at QVC, we believe those who love to shop deserve a living, breathing way to shop, where product descriptions are alive with demos by creators, chats with inventors, and hosts who know the most. From self-care and kitchenware to fashion trends and forever faves, at QVC, we bring life to products and products to life. Shop qvc.com podcast and use code QVC15podcast for $15 off $30 for new customers. This is shopping brought to life. Yeah, I think that that's an important note. And I think that there are a lot of factors that go into that. But I think we have to be honest, right? I mean, that that is the case. I mean, I remember I remember on election 2020, friends of mine, Christian friends, sharing with me blatantly falsified things, like like like, like doctored newspaper clippings of, of the Al Gore election. Um, and 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 still to this day, so many folks in those spaces are are very susceptible for some reason to believing yep. things that, that 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 there are just mounds of data, you know, disproving. The election fraud is the most blatant one, but you're right. Um, and I I I'm sure there are people way smarter than me who have really good analysis on why this is, but that is something that is worth considering because you're right. You don't hear a lot about, um, you know, the deep state Republicans who are sacrificing children in their dungeons and drinking the blood, um, you know, and, and the deep state of Republicans who are trying to, uh, you know, um, I don't know, like, um, kill Joe Biden, some crazy assassination attempt, right? Like we, there is no version of, of Q on the left wing side mm. of our political discourse. And I just wonder just and this is me talking out loud audience so this is for you to ponder we're not trying to give you um uh, necessarily like truth claims here but something that i'm wondering is it seems like while maybe right-wing spaces have always been susceptible to those kinds of things trump really pushed things farther in that in that far right wing <sighs> you know, rabbit hole that is just conspiracy laden. I mean, when you have Charlie Kirk defending Alex Jones in his defamation trial, you have to wonder how far we they've really come as yeah. right wing, you know, conservatives. Like, are they even conservative anymore? Which actually many are saying now they're not. They have a new name. I think they're calling themselves revolutionaries. Again, a different discussion for a different time. But <laughs> we are we are witnessing a, a massive shift in right wing spaces where what 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 used to be seen as kind of fringe or well we don't talk about this person or that thing is now just kind of in the in the mainstream diet of of mm. people who inhabit these right wing spaces. That's my best analysis at this point. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think. I think I don't necessarily have um, a great idea as to like why people who are just politically right are more prone to conspiracy theories, but I do have some ideas on why Christians are. And I think a lot of it has to do with kind of just like the crazy things that Christians are taught to believe, <laughs> whether it's like the earth is only 6,000 years old and not a day older, just stuff like this, where we just accept things that are, you know, whether it's completely scientifically untrue or whatever from a young age. And so I think when you, when you grow up believing like God is going to come down in a whirlwind and we're all just going to be sucked up into heaven, when that's like a reality for you, it's easy to segue that into other kind of more inconceivable ways of thinking. 
That's that's definitely something I've considered um, in terms of why Christians and fundamental Christians are so prone to conspiratorial thinking. But Noah, do you have any thoughts? Well, I mean, just kind of add on to that. I, I like the sort of that that rabbit hole, I think, is really interesting to me of how the, the fundamentalism kind of breeds more and more fundamentalism. And as we're kind of taught from a really young age to see things in these really black and white categories and be accustomed to everybody being against us all the time. It's like a very antagonistic form of worldview. The whole world's out to get us. The scientists are out to get us. The doctors are out to get us. The politicians are out to get us. And so when you start thinking in those black and white terms, it becomes very easy to just start tacking new forms of fundamentalism onto that through conspiracy theories because you already mm. see the whole, you process the whole world around those kind of realities already. And so there's not like a huge logical jump then to think that there's Satanists sacrificing children in the bottom of a, a pizza right. restaurant in DC or something like that because exactly. well, we already know the leftists are all evil and they all hate God and they're all this and that. So I mean, I don't see why they wouldn't be, you know, what it, and it's, I mean, that's an extreme example, but it's a true example. And mm. I think that I really appreciate that point that you brought up because for me, that gives me a lot of clarity about what's going on and how it's so easy to get sucked into these things and why maybe it's so difficult to escape these kind of yeah. conspiracy theories too, once you get sucked into them, because your whole framing of reality enables that kind of belief system already. Yeah. Exactly. I also think a bit for maybe the Christian kind of part is a bit of a like a persecution complex as well. Yeah. Of, you know, just like the state is against us. The scientists are against us. The politics, like everyone, despite conservatives making up such a humongous part of the world, like being the majority in so many ways, they're, you know, they have this like delusion that they're not and that everyone is against them and trying to constantly, you know, take away whatever. So I think it's a bit of a persecution complex as well. Yeah. Well, speaking, I, I want to keep, I want to continue down this kind of way of thinking because our next tweet actually fits into this. So um, this is from Katie, the Brian millennial. Now I've talked to Katie personally. She's very nice. She's very sweet. We've, we've, we've had, we've had a very good faith dialogue, but sometimes for tweets, I just don't understand. So this is again, not about dehumanizing the people who are doing these tweets, but we need to talk about them. So she tweeted this out. I mean this in all seriousness. I wonder how many lives could have been saved or altered for the better, especially children, if Twitter allowed free speech during COVID. So currently, what's happening in Twitter, and I, this is still new for me, so I'm going to do my I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to distill it. But essentially, a couple of things have come out um, recently. A GOP committee uh, came out saying that they have new evidence in their minds that 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 the, that COVID started in a lab. Um, that's still highly contested, but Again, conservatives have latched onto that. And then also an article came out in The Atlantic calling for um, COVID amnesty. And the person is essentially saying, hey, we got some things wrong during during the pandemic. Uh, we shouldn't be held you know, responsible for, for things that we got wrong based on the data we had at the time, which, of course um, – Many people have latched on to saying, look, there it is. There's a smoking gun. This whole thing was fraudulent. It was tyranny. And now we have people like Katie saying that, you know, if Twitter only allowed for free speech during COVID, uh, how many lives could have been saved? Now, what is interesting to me about this is a couple of things. Number one, Twitter allows a lot. I mean, you can find pornography on Twitter. You can find people using racial slurs on Twitter. You can find people using and saying all kinds of really out there things about COVID on Twitter. Um, I, I, they're still out there. Number one, but number two, um, a million people died during the pandemic. Um, and 
and I'm I'm struggling to understand like like what 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 is that? How would free speech? How would that would how would have that saved more lives? Like, are you advocating for more iver, ivermectin or ivermectin? Are you advocating for less masks? Like, you know, social distancing shouldn't have been in place. Like, what does this actually mean? How would free speech have have actually saved or altered children's lives in this case for the better? I just don't understand what the tweet is actually trying to say. Besides saying. Oh my God! I'm a persecuted Christian in America, and big tech like Twitter silenced my free speech. And if only I had my free speech, so I'll say that children's lives could have been better if free speech was allowed. Riley, you want to go for this one? <laughs> sure. My brain's I, I spinning. Just, <laughs> my brain is spinning too. Um, I. I don't, I don't, I don't even know where to begin with this one. I think um, Tim really summed it up very well. Uh, and, and yeah, again, I think this just goes back to what we were talking about of this simplistic, everybody's out to get us way of thinking. Um, and I would like to maybe answer her question with another question of how many lives could have been saved if conservatives had gotten vaccinated. <laughs> These are just things we can ask, questions we can ask if we're out here just asking things. But I don't know. I yeah, yeah. No, it, it's been a while. And Noah, when, when you're ready, just raise your hand or something or interrupt me. I'll, I'll let you sure. talk. I don't want you to you know feel cut off here. But oh, I'm not. I'm not afraid to interrupt you. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Good point. Um, this whole COVID thing is very interesting. And I think this is going to become a, a, a bigger piece of like the political rhetoric um, because here's the thing, right? Let me just say this. The, one of the reasons why I really have a hard time trusting far-right Christian nationalist folks and leaders is because I don't believe that, that, that they're actually interested in good faith dialogue. Like I don't believe that Matt Walsh is interested in having good faith dialogue. I believe yeah. that he wants to score political points wherever possible. So let's say, for example, right, let's say that as we're we're, we're, we're thinking about COVID and we're, we're looking now in hindsight, which is always 2020, people say, hey, you know what? Maybe we kept the schools closed too long, right? Maybe that was a mistake on our part. I don't trust hearing it from Matt Walsh because I don't think Matt Walsh really wants to have that discussion. I'm like, yeah, you're right, but what could we do better going forward and what could we do maybe to fix the problem? Instead, yeah. it'll be used as a baseball bat to then bludgeon people to death saying, look, there's the proof. This whole COVID thing, everything that <laughs> everything that our tyrants, quote unquote, did was, was just to control us, was just for nefarious purposes, right? That's why I have such a hard time taking those folks seriously, even if they say something that is actually accurate, because I don't trust them to actually use it in a way that's constructive. I believe that, 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 that they're going to use it in a way that is designed to continue to bludgeon their political opponents and to promote their conspiracies. I mean, many of these folks still believe that the election was stolen. How can I believe that you're looking for good faith dialogue with those kinds of views in the back of your head? It's just impossible for me to do. So I, I just found this tweet very difficult to understand. So I'm just thinking like, what does this actually mean? How does allowing what you think is free speech on Twitter, which again, who knows what that actually means, um, how would that have actually saved or altered lives when we know that people who did not take the vaccine actually lost their life? Like, like there, there are conservative commentators, there are pastors who died because they would not 
get vaccinated, right? But you're not going to hear that in these spaces. So anyway, that's just me kind of processing this out loud with all of you. I I, I think that as we, we think about COVID and how we handled it, of course, we're going to find things that we didn't do that great. That's expected because we're all learning in the moment. Don't forget, at one point during COVID, they were telling us, wipe down all your surfaces, Remember that? If you get a package, wipe it down because we didn't know how it spread yet. And when it and when we found out that it actually doesn't do anything, we stopped doing it. So anyway, I just find a lot of this stuff, you know, like I just find that whatever bit of truth they can find, they're going to explode to try and destroy the entire narrative that everything that was attempted, masking, social distancing, vaccine, vaccines are all garbage because, oh, maybe we kept the schools closed too long. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I I saw that that article from the Atlantic kind of floating around on my social media and seeing some of my friends uh, that are more on the conservative end comment on it with that sort of attitude of "ha we we were right, you were wrong." It's this very fundamentalist mm. black and white thing of like this 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 proves everything we were saying, uh, and now we're gonna come and like uh win <laughs> you know, it's, it's right. like this very win or lose kind of attitude black and white one of us was right one of us was wrong uh when yeah the hindsight is 2020 we're always looking back and saying hey you know we were doing the best with the information that we could and mm. we can look back and say hey yeah maybe this could have been a little better or we learned from this uh, and just how different that is from the way that that article is being received in the conservative spaces and i think it just and i'm being really redundant here but this is just me processing out loud how that kind of captures that spirit of fundamentalism which isn't mm -hmm. interested in working together to create better solutions or a better world it's interested in proving that i was right and you were wrong uh and yep that that doesn't work in a relationship between two people and it doesn't work in the politics of a country either um, by yes. the same metric. And so I just think that that's a really unhealthy attitude to have. And yeah, it, it captures much of the spirit of this larger problem that we're running into today. Well, and yeah. what you just said supports the data. Samuel Perry, a sociologist, has, has said in his research that the farther right you go, the more you think that you have to conquer your political opponents. Right. And the more, not maybe the more left, but, but more moderate to left-wing people tend to be willing to work with their political opponents for the good of society. And you see that here because a lot of these folks I'm seeing are Christians, and their response yep. is no mercy, no forgiveness, no grace, no, we're going to, we want accountability, right? So now what they're doing is they're, they're throwing everything back in people's faces, right? And saying, no, 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 no. Like, we're not going to try and work together on this because maybe this one thing wasn't handled the best way given the data that we had at the time, right? Instead, it is, it was nefarious. It's proof. It's evidence. It was all about control. You're tyrants. We're never going to forgive you for this. Even yep. though so much of what we did actually helped save lives. Anyway, it's a whole different discussion. I, but yeah. I also, yeah, I have a couple, I have a couple thoughts. My first one is a, um, maybe directed more towards Noah, just about this whole like black and white fundamentalist thinking. And I don't know if you guys remember, but like the first two weeks of the pandemic, so it, like the pandemic started more or less in like the late March, right? The first two weeks, I remember thinking, and it was what, 2020. I remember thinking, everybody is on the same page. This is so weird. <laughs> like <laughs> at the time it was, we were in the final year of the Trump presidency and everything was so contentious. Um, and I remember just thinking like, wow, everybody is like, we're all on the same page. Like Republicans, conservatives by and large, were like, you know, we were all masking up. Well, actually we didn't have 
access to masks that much at the time. But the idea was like, stay home, stay safe, keep your neighbors safe. Like, and this was a actually generally unified kind of reaction to the pandemic for literally just two weeks. <laughs> and I really do think even to this day that part of it is just a confirmation bias where Republicans just literally, or conservatives, I guess, just cannot agree with anything that comes out of the left, even if it might be backed by science, even if it's just generally a good idea or, you know, the common good. It's just, if it comes from the left, we know, just know it's obviously evil. <laughs> and, and so I don't know, I think those early days of the pandemic really kind of showed me just how much confirmation bias exists, obviously in both sides, but I think very strongly within conservative evangelicals. And then my second point, because um, Tim, you mentioned that a lot of this rhetoric is, you know, this no mercy kind of rhetoric is coming from Christians. And I just want to share one of the most recent Ali Beth Stuckey podcast episodes oh, where, oh, no. <laughs> but it's exactly, it plays right into this narrative where um, I, I'm just reading here from the description of the podcast where she says, we talk about some news from New York where a judge ruled that employees who were fired due to vaccine mandates are to be rehired and given back pay. We discuss why this is the only kind of reparations that is justified. So wait, in wait, this, wait, wait, what word did she use? We discuss why this is the only kind of reparations oh, that is no. justified. So in addition to like spouting, you know, COVID conspiracy theories, she also figured out a way to be racist in this, you know, discussion as well. And it's just mind blowing. Again, she's like very, very vocal about the fact that she's a Christian, you know, whatever. It's just, yeah, you know, back to you, Tim, but that's kind of, those are kind of my thoughts on this whole, like, on this whole thing. I, yeah, was mortified. Well, no, do you have something you want to say? If not, I'll, I'll move I, on. I think I'm just mortified by the fact that these words like accountability and reparation are now being used by the people that have avoided <laughs> so negatively those conversations for so long until it now yep. affects them in some way and they feel like the ones that have been harmed and hurt and therefore they have the justification to start picking up all this language um, right. that has been used for really important conversations for a long time and they've been shutting down yeah well speaking of dehumanization this last one's a doozy and again, trigger warning, it is transphobic, just giving you a heads up, but it needs to be talked about um, because this comes from a prolific um, Christian blogger who also does work with Ali Stuckey and others in conservative movements. This is Samuel Say, uh, author of Slow to Write, and he tweeted, some men wear their Halloween costumes 365 days a year, and it's a picture of Dylan Mulvaney, I believe that's her name, who recently uh, skyrocketed to the public um, eye uh, when Joe Biden talked to her about, about her transition and that process. Mm. And I found this just so incredibly dehumanizing. And here's what I find, here's what continues to baffle me. Samuel Say will tweet images about hymns that he sings, about how he's not worthy of being loved, but God loves him, and oh, wretched sinner is he. Mm. And he has no problem on Sunday morning singing songs about how much God loves him and the grace for that he that God has for, for, for Samuel. And then he will go and just tweet blatantly dehumanizing and just mean-spirited things. Um, and I'm like, I don't get it like do you think jesus would would tweet this like i don't understand 
I don't understand how so many conservative evangelicals can go to church on Sunday, they can thank God for his mercy and grace bestowed upon them, and then they'll go out into the public place or to Twitter, and they'll just be so cruel and dehumanizing to people that they either don't like or don't understand or don't want to understand. And then people wonder why why Christians have the rap in America for being hateful and cruel people. Yep, I totally agree. I had the exact same, I mean, this is just absolutely horrible. And I had the same response that you did, Tim. I may have even texted you about it. I, I meant to if I didn't. When I, Okay, I'm, I'm just going to go back to this freaking podcast episode from Ali Sucky. It's the exact same one where she says, Dylan Mulvaney made headlines after revealing, and then she misgenders Dylan by saying, revealing he was invited to the White House to interview the president. We again talk about the silliness behind Dylan's girl, in quotes, caricature, and look at the ridiculousness of giving, again, him a platform from the White House. So she purposely misgenders Dylan twice. And I had the exact same response as you did, Tim, where I was just, I was just hit with the like, oh, wow, (laughs) no wonder people don't want to be Christians. This is just such an incredibly hateful and mean-spirited thing to say, Allie, or Sam, you know, Samuel. I, I just, I cannot reconcile the Jesus of the Gospels with whatever it is Samuel Say and Ali Stuckey are putting into the world. And this is just an excellent example of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, people don't, they fear what they don't understand. They don't understand, right, Dylan or 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 what it's like, right, to be, to, to become a trans woman or, or to, you know, have yeah. that process happen. And so what they do is they will just say very cruel, mean-spirited things because they don't understand it. And therefore it must not be, you know, right because they don't get it or because their view of the Bible doesn't support it. Therefore, uh, Dylan has no right uh, to happiness, you know, mm. religious freedom, um, no constitutional rights apply to Dylan. Um, because, um, she is not worthy of those rights because ultimately Dylan is not fully made in the image of God. And that's what it comes down to, right? Allie and Samuel and these folks, they'll never say it this way. What they'll say is we're just speaking the truth in love when in Mm. reality, they're just being a-holes, right? They're just being (laughs) rude, absolute jerks. Um, and they're not, I find this so interesting because sometimes these folks are the most concerned about hell, right? We don't want anyone going to hell. Our goal is to witness and to spread the gospel, but obviously they don't care about where Dylan ends up when she dies on, in their belief yeah. system because they would rather treat her so dehumanizing in such a dehumanizing way than really care about in their mind, her soul, right? To win her to the gospel. So Dylan doesn't go to hell forever when she dies. That's not really the primary issue. The primary issue is that is, is that Samuel and Allie, that they win and that they stand on truth and that they make sure people like Dylan know the truth, regardless uh. of what Dylan says about herself. That's what makes this so insidious for me. And it makes me so angry. Yeah, I, I don't have a lot of thoughts about this one, only because I get incredibly emotional over transphobia. And so uh. I, I don't have a lot to add to that conversation other than I legitimately, when anytime I see something like this, I'm just overwhelmed by the sense of how cruel it is yeah. and how conf- like legitimately confused I am every time that somebody that would claim to follow after Jesus could justify posting something yep. like that. 
um, that's just intentionally demeaning and harmful and dehumanizing to another person with with there's no added value of making that post other than saying this is right. my team and therefore I can be mean to all the people I disagree with. And I, I just think it's incredibly sad more than anything yeah. else that we could get to that point. And exactly like you said, Tim, it's that idea of speaking the truth in love, because I've heard that again in my conversations with my more conservative friends and family who feel very comfortable saying that they would never uh, refer to someone as their preferred gender because it's mm. just not true. And so it's not loving for them to, to, you know, refer to that person in the way that they asked to. It's, to me, that's yeah. just like the most basic wow. form of common decency, regardless right, of your it, it, beliefs, it, it, to just, yeah. that's yeah. like the first level of respect. And I think you, you cut off relationship with somebody entirely when you refuse to take that first step of just stepping into their world for a moment. And so I think that that post captures this divide so well of like that, that we're experiencing even within the Christian community of saying like, we're not even willing to take the most basic steps to acknowledge your humanity and your personhood um, yeah. if it makes me uncomfortable in any way. And then I'm going to use my, use the, you know, the Jesus or the Bible as a form of justification for that, no matter how antithetical my use of that language is to the actual mm. intention of of the text itself. Yes, it, they are. What they're doing is they're overriding someone else's human autonomy, right? And they're yeah. saying, "No, no, yeah. we know better than you do." It's the same thing with folks who 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 are queer, right? Oh, you're just choosing to act that way. Oh, you right. you no no. It's you, you can control this. You can change your orientation. No matter how much people say no, you know, I was born this way since I was a kid. I knew mm. many Christians will say, "No, no, no. We know you better than you know right. yourself." And so, right. and really, that that that's supremacy, right? It is the mm -hmm. belief that my worldview and my very specific interpretation of the Bible, right, overwrites whatever you can say and whatever you know about yourself because we have real truth and you are living a lie. But don't worry, we love you enough to tell you, so why don't you convert to our belief system so you don't burn in hell forever? Isn't that appealing? I mean, that's really what they're saying. And then they're they're shocked. They're shocked when people say, actually, no, you can't say that to people like like Dylan. And mm. no, you're not allowed to 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 cause harm like this. And then they go, oh my God, you're 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 um you're persecuting us. Oh my God, our rights. Oh my God, like this is Christian persecution. They have created a perfect system that lets them maintain their supremacy. Whenever that privilege is challenged legally or culturally, they then claim persecution and then they double down on their beliefs because they're standing in tr in truth and, and everyone else is not. That's how the cycle works. Yeah. I just remember growing up in, even in very conservative Christian spaces and thinking, man, the Westboro Baptists are really mean people. I can't believe they would ever hold yes. up a sign in the middle of the road that says God hates bleep, you know? Mm. And now that that's what we're seeing from like, you know, essentially we're getting that same kind of disposition, that same kind of aggressive, just nasty and cruel kind of messaging coming from a lot of your average conservative Christian platforms. And to me, that's just shocking and really just saddening more than anything else. Yeah. I mean, I follow Dylan and I love her content. She's just wonderful. And I just want to mention that it's just like, it's so interesting to me how I see more, you know, quote unquote, fruits of the spirit or um, just like 
the things that the very, very few things that Jesus told us to do and be, which was to love God and love people. I see more of that in Dylan and in her content and in her rhetoric than I've ever seen from people like Ali Stuckey or, wow. you know, these Matt, definitely not Matt Walsh, um, but Charlie Kirk, all these people who still claim some, I guess, I think Matt Walsh is maybe Catholic. doesn't claim to be a Christian. He's Catholic. Okay. But, you know, like Charlie Kirk and Ali Stuckey and these people who, you know, Lauren Boebert, who like are, have platforms and say that they are quote unquote Christians. Never am I getting any like fruits of the spirit type, you know, but I get it from Dylan for sure. Yeah. The way that yeah. she responds to hateful comments too is so much more quote Christ-like than mm -hmm. this exactly. kind of us and them kind of language is coming from the other side. Right. Yeah. I think we have to be honest about that. I think we have to, we have to realize that a lot of the conservative evangelicalism that a lot of us grew up in um, has always had this this political bent, but more recently has really been, I would argue, hijacked by these far-right politics of us versus them, we're right, they're wrong, we believe truth, they believe a lie, we're on God's side, they're on Satan's side. Like That whole ideology has totally taken over so many of the conservative evangelical leaders um, and, and the folks who influence others to make this re really about, about a culture war and trying to defeat the libs so they can make America great again, right? Which, again, like if you just read the four Gospels, like read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'd be hard-pressed to find that kind of ideology and language in the way of Jesus. I mean, the Sermon mm -hmm. on the Mount alone blows to smithereens so many of these ideas. Yeah. Um, and yet, here we are, right? We're podcasting about about something that we all grew up in and we're asking an honest question, what happened or how long has it been there that, and we just didn't see it, which is really a combination of, I think yeah. of both of those things. So I, I you know, listen, we, I didn't mean to go an hour today, but we did. So I'm going to wrap, I'm going to wrap up, but ultimately for me, I, I had these tweets. There were a few others. There's one by Stephen Wolf, the guy who's writing the book, Christian nationalism, where he's advocating for women not being able to vote and says that households should vote um, and that and that a, a household's led by a man. So therefore, the man should be the one casting the vote. That's a real thing on Twitter. I I know. It's gross. Wow. But, you know, something that I want to address really quick to the audience. Some people sometimes will say, hey, love your content. You know, but you're just always so negative. I'm just depressed. I understand that our stuff is not positive all the time, but we also have to let you know what's happening in spaces mm. that have a lot of power. And the reality is, I believe that if we keep our head in the sand and keep trying to pretend that everything is fine, we're going to end up with more situations like Roe v. Wade being overturned. Uh, in fact, at the Supreme Court right now, there are some serious cases that affect the rights of minorities um, mm -hmm. and, and even voting rights. And, and we have to realize that Christian nationalists are funding these cases. They are bringing these cases to, to the Supreme Court. They have a Supreme Supreme Court that's very empathetic to their views that they intentionally stacked. This is just the reality of the world we're living in. And we have to let you know what's going on so we can be aware of it and we can work together on ways to resist it. I get it. It's not always happy. It's not butterflies and rainbows. It's not always feel good. I totally understand. That's why we argue about baked mac and cheese versus stovetop mac and cheese on Twitter, on Instagram sometimes. <laughs> so we, we need those moments, okay? But this is just the reality of the world we're living in, especially in conservative evangelical spaces, and we have to be aware of that. So that's why, Noah and Riley, I wanted to bring these tweets to you to get some of your thoughts because they truly, they were jaw-dropping, I'm on yep. vacation moments of like, I can't believe people are saying this 
but here we are. So we just mm. had to talk about them. So there you go. <laughs> Any final thoughts or are you guys all tapped out? I'm pretty tapped out. The conservatives really got to me. I'm tired. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. We will catch you all next time. Have a great day. Be well. See you later. When you're struggling with your mental health, the world can seem pretty heavy, like no one understands what you're feeling or you're not sure how to ask for help. But here's the real truth. You're never in this alone. 988 Lifeline's trained crisis counselors are available 24-7 to offer the help and support you need to make it through. No judgment, no stigma, just someone to listen. Text or call 988-SUICIDE-IN-CRISIS-LIFELINE, day or night. 988. Hope has a new number. Now that you've taken on that big job, you shouldn't have to settle for the big box. You've earned a trip to Northern Tool, and we're ready for the details. We know all about the little things that make the biggest difference. Maybe that's why they call us a problem solver's paradise. From pressure washers to power tools, pallet jacks to push carts, Northern Tool and equipment carries the brands you depend on, like Northstar, DeWalt, Milwaukee, and Strongway. We're made for this. Come see us in-store or shop online at northerntool.com.